Are you guys enjoying John? Yeah. Rex's been doing a good job, hasn't he? Uh, we're going to, I kind of told him he's a little bit unfair, not a whole lot unfair, but next week he's going to preach on John 3, 16 and 17. I said, you get to preach the most known scripture ever and I get the, so we're going to do an alley-oop. I'm going to be the alley, he's going to be the oop next week. So, um, but today we're going to talk about the beginning of John chapter 3. Anybody going to small groups? How are your small groups going? You liking them? Learning anything? All right. I'm enjoying my small group. Uh, you can talk to people in it. I don't know if they're enjoying it or not, but since it's really about me, it's all that matters. So I'm enjoying it. That's what I care about. Today we're going to talk about Nicodemus. And so I've titled the sermon, Jesus Meets Sheldon. <laughs> Some of you watch it, don't you? How many of you ever watch The Big Bang Theory? Uh, you, some of you are scared to raise your hand in church. You're like, it's not really a wholesome church show. I actually looked for some clips. I was going to show some uh, Big Bang Theory clips, and it, that, was a, that was futile, trying to find some I could show in church. But why do we love Sheldon so much? If you're a Big Bang Theory, why do we love Sheldon so much? He's so smart, he's stupid. Right. There, there's, a, there's a phrase out there, maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't heard it, and I, I, mean, I really honestly mean no disrespect at all to anyone who is smart. I wish I was you. So I don't want you to think that anything I say today when we talk about smartness is directed at smart people. But there's a, there's a thinking out there, and you may agree with it or disagree with it, but I'm sure you've heard it. The more initials you get behind your name the less common sense you have. Anybody heard that? Yeah, I didn't make it up. I just have heard people say it. I've at times laughed at it. In my world, it, the, the, way that the, true, the way that the patrolmen say it in our world is the more brass you get on your collar, the dumber you are. So however you think of it, the more what, what we tend to think is the more that you get wisdom or the more that you learn something academically, the less you can actually apply that to life. Today we're going to talk about a guy like that, and that's, that's why we like Sheldon so much, because he has, he's so smart, nothing makes sense to him. And I'm kind of sarcastic, so watching him try to get sarcasm is fun for me too. So, but we meet a guy in, in John chapter 3 named Nicodemus. While we're talking about Nicodemus, I want you to think about something. How many of you have ever been uncomfortable, or uncomfortable if you're the dumbest in the room? I'm used to it now. But there was a time when it made me uncomfortable. Because we, we, we don't really like to surround ourselves. We like to think we're a little bit... It's just... I'm going to sit down for just a second. I'm your friend. We're Brian. My name's Brian. We're friends. I love you. And I want you to understand I'm not trying to be mean. Right? Okay? We're all good with that? This means yes. This means no. Yep, we're all good with that? Okay. So it's, it's not that I don't like smart people. I just feel intimidated when I'm around them. So I try to surround myself with people that I think I'm smarter than. That doesn't mean I am smarter than they are. I just like to make myself feel like they are. And so what we see in John chapter 3 at the beginning is this little guy named Nicodemus comes to Jesus. And we're going to read this story. If you want to, you can turn to John chapter 3. I put it on the, on the screen for you. You can look at this. But we see this. There was a man named Nicodemus. He was a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. 
unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Sheldon moment. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, and today it's blowing quite a bit. Just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible? Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, you're a respected teacher, and you don't understand these things? I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things... How can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. This is a great story. Nicodemus is said to be a Pharisee. He's a Jewish teacher. So when you talk about smarts in the Jewish world, he was at the top. Actually, one of the things about Pharisees, to be a Pharisee, they memorized Memorized and could quote the Pentateuch. Everybody know what the Pentateuch is? It's a big long word. I failed Pentateuch class in college. It's all good. I've learned something. But it's the first five books of the Bible. What are they? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Sluperonomy. Right? I want to go sleep. Yeah? And, and what, what I kind of, what, what kind of, makes me laugh sometimes, is if somebody wants to get closer to Jesus, somebody says, you know, they hear a sermon, they say, man, I'm really going to give my life to Jesus. I'm going to get serious about Bible study. I'm going to get serious about praying. What do they often do? They say, I'm going to start at the beginning of the Bible, and I'm going to read it all the way through. (laughs) How many people actually make it through that process? Not many, right? Why? Because Genesis is exciting, there's some killing in there, there's some wars, there's some fun stuff. Then you get to Exodus and they start to throw in a few laws. And then you still see a few little things, but then you get to Leviticus and Leviticus is what? All laws. So you start reading Leviticus and you're like, and good. Right? How many of you have tried to read through the book of Leviticus? God bless you. Jesus loves you. But Nicodemus had it memorized. You could, that's how we had conversations. I'll just quote for you for a while. So he was very well versed in Scripture. He also he knew the rest of the Old Testament. And so he knew, he knew who Jesus might be. Right? What did we see last week? What happened last week in John chapter 2? Those of you that were here or went to small group. What did Jesus do? He turned over the money table. He cleaned out the temple. Who did that affect? The Pharisees and the Sadducees, right? The religious leaders. That was their place. That was their. That was where they ruled. That was where they. That was where they made their money. That's where they got all the stuff that they that made them feel good. And so when Jesus goes in there and he cleans it out and he says, "You've made this into a mess." Oh, he's now he's now he's meddling with the Pharisees, right? So 
Nicodemus comes to talk to Jesus when? At nighttime. Absolutely. Because if, because if he's angered all your buddies, but you have some questions for him, the best time to get your questions answered is when your buddies don't know you're asking questions, right? See, things haven't changed. It was the same back then as it is right now. If your friends don't, if you have a question for somebody, but your friends don't think they want to ask you, you're going when they can't see you asking, right? It's all good. Nicodemus started it for us. So Nicodemus goes to Jesus and he says this to Jesus. Hey, Rabbi. That means teacher. Hey, Rabbi. We all know that God has sent you to teach us because your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Just think about that for a minute. Is that a question? No, it ends with a period, doesn't it? Even me, without being a teacher, knows it ends with a period. It's not a question. Is there a question in it? It's probably a big question in there, isn't there? Because Nicodemus, what's happening in Nicodemus' life is he's seeing Jesus do things, and he knows the Old Testament. So he's like, ooh, that's a prophecy. That guy just fulfilled it. Oh, there's the, ooh, that's another one. Oh, that, oh, yeah. So he's got all these prophecies being fulfilled by this guy, but his buddies don't like him. So now he's trying to figure this out. So he's just like, eh, eh, eh. How do you start a conversation with Jesus? I mean, really. So he just says, hey, you're a pretty cool dude. We, uh, we know that you're, God's got to be with you somehow. What's he really want to know? He wants to know why it matters, doesn't it? Isn't that really the question that Nicodemus wants to ask? He, he wants to know, who are you and what are you going to do with me? And how are you going to make my life different? And, and Jesus answers this question without it being asked. Isn't that cool that Jesus knows what, what, what we're asking without us asking it? The Bible mentions this in Romans. And it says, Paul says, we don't really know what we're asking of God. We don't really know how to ask him. And so when we pray, we're just kind of talking and we're kind of mumbling. And so what happens is the Holy Spirit takes those mumblings and takes them to God and says, okay, this is what he meant. I know this is what he said, but I know that doesn't make any sense. He's really kind of silly. So this is what he meant. Right? Isn't that cool? Isn't it nice that we have a God like that? And what we see in Nicodemus is Nicodemus coming at nighttime because he's timid. Have you ever been in have you ever been timid asking God for something? You ever wanted to ask God for something, but you were like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to ask that or not. I, I'm not sure if God's gonna do that or not. I, I'm not sure what God's gonna think of me when I ask that question. That's what Nicodemus is struggling with. He's like, oh, I'm coming at nighttime, and he's like, I'm not really gonna ask a question, but I'm gonna hope you understand that I'm asking a question because you're gonna answer me a question. So Jesus says, okay, this is the answer to the question that you're not gonna ask me, but I know you wanna ask me, so here's the answer. Nobody gets to see the kingdom of heaven unless they're born again. <laughs> Maybe I should have asked a different question. Because then Nicodemus says, can, those of you that watch the Big Bang Theory, can you see Sheldon trying to process this? Can 
hey, Jesus, I'm an old man. I don't know how much you know about, I don't know how much you know about the body, but hmm, I really can't get back in mama's womb and come back out again. So uh, it doesn't make any sense. Hmm. Nicodemus has a struggle, doesn't he? Jesus didn't. Jesus answered a question and created another one. Don't you hate teachers like that? So Nicodemus says eh, eh, that that just doesn't make any sense. So then Jesus gives him an answer. And he says this. I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Jesus answers Nicodemus' question by saying this. Nicodemus, there's two ways of living. There's the human way of living, and then there on the other side is the spiritual way of living. If you really want to enter and you really want to enjoy and you really want to experience the kingdom of heaven, you have to get out of this world. You've already been born into this world. This is, this is the physical world. This is the human world. This is, this is what mama gave you right here. This is whatever you've got. This is what you got from mama through the physical side. But if you really want to experience the kingdom of heaven, what you have to do is be born into this other world, into this other way of living, and that's the spiritual way of living. Because over here, flesh, can, flesh the human side, it can give you human life, but only on this side do we actually get spiritual life. Think Nicodemus has his questions answered yet? I don't think so. I think he's still struggling, right? Do you have your questions answered yet? Probably not. Will you have them answered by the end of the day? Maybe not. Who knows? But I want you to see Jesus says Jesus tells Nicodemus, you gotta you've got to be born again into another way of doing things. Let's think about it for a minute. How do we make decisions in our life? Anyone ever had a big decision to make? Even a little one. You're contemplating a big decision. What are the ways that we make decisions? We make a deci- if we're going to make a decision, what kind of processes do we have to come to a good decision? Okay? Pray. Absolutely. Since we're in church and we're, getting, we're giving church answers, that is perfect. But what else do we use? What's that? Advice from other people. Let's sit down with our friends, right? Let's see what our friends have to say. Let's see if it's going to be popular. The decision I make, is that going to be popular with what my friends say? Are they going to give me the same advice? Am I going to be like them? Right? What are the ways that we use to make decisions? Pros and cons. Absolutely. That's the best way to make a decision, right? You take a piece of paper and you draw a line right down the middle. Whoop! Draw a line at the top and write pros. That means the good things. And you write cons on the other side. That means the bad things. If I make this decision, 
what's going to go well, what's going to go bad. Right? It makes sense, doesn't it? But what about this? What if you make your pro and con list and the only thing on the pro side is God wants me to. But the con list is huge. Now the way you use the pro and con list is you say, whichever one is bigger, that's the one I'm going to go with. Right? If there's more pros than there are cons, generally we're going to go with the, what we're going to say, yes, let's do it because the pros outweigh the cons. Right? Isn't that right? How much weight does God get? That's what Jesus is telling Nicodemus. He's saying, hey, you understand. You, you're smart. You're, you know all these things. You've, been, you've got all this teaching. You know all this scripture. You've spent all this time praying to God. You're so well respected. You're so well liked. You're so well loved. People think you're the greatest thing since sliced bread in the church. You've got all of this humanness figured out. What you really need, Nicodemus, is to get this one figured out. And which one's easier? By far, that one. Right? Because this one, I have control over. Right? I can get people to do things the way I want them to over here. I can do the th- I can I can make things happen. How many of you are competitive? I'll put my hand down because I'm not. <laughs> I'm just saying that because my wife is here. But how many of you are competitive? So if there's some sort of competition, you can find a way to win that competition, can't you? My motto has always been, if you can't beat them, cheat them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Kids don't really, I, I don't really mean that. That's bad, Jesus, I'm sorry. But the things on the human side, we can manipulate, we can control, we can make them happen. Over here on the spiritual side, we have no control. None. When we step out of the human side and we step onto Jesus' side and we say, hey, okay, I'm going to live this spiritual life. Holy cow, we lose everything. Now we've just gotten on the roller coaster at Cedar Point and I'm about to puke. Because they pulled over the latches and now, now I'm stuck because now it's moving and they don't stop it for people once they start moving. How do you, how do you make decisions in your life? Do you make them logically? Those of you that are a little older might enjoy Dr. Spock. Was always my, my, if my dad were here, he would understand Spock more than Sheldon. The logical answer is, which way do you make your decisions? How do you direct your life? Do you direct it based on what you can manipulate? what you can control, what makes sense. If your friends are not very solid Christians, where is their advice going to line up? It's going to be on this side, isn't it? Because they don't understand that side. So uh, you talk to a bunch of friends that don't know Jesus and aren't solid spiritually, you're going to get a bunch of advice from people that are going to direct you logically. And you're going to miss Maybe what God is saying spiritually. So let me stop real quick. 
what I am not saying. Please do not leave here and tell Rex when he gets back that I said, if it's logical, it's wrong. Okay? Because sometimes what's logical is what's spiritual. They do sometimes match up. Right? That's why we spend, that's why we're supposed to spend so much time understanding this. And how, how do we understand this? This is where we pray. This is where we get the right answer. Right? But then sometimes what we do is we wait until that time to pray. How many of us do that? Oh, I got a decision to make. I guess it's time to, guess it's time to break out the prayer, the prayer knee pads. I'm going to have to get on my knees a little bit more. Right? I don't want to mess this one up, so now I'm going to pray. It's a lifestyle. Not only is it, are we, do we have to get away from making decisions logically and begin to make them spiritually, then we also have to figure out how to live spiritually. And that's where Jesus says this. Nicodemus, you're a respected Jewish teacher. And yet you don't understand. It doesn't make sense to you. Because I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. Isn't that cool? I mean, think about what Jesus just said to Nicodemus. Anybody know someone that could insult somebody without actually insulting them, without them knowing they've been insulted? That's another one of those, you don't really raise your hand, you know, maybe you're that person. <laughs> I don't know. Jesus pretty much just kicked Nicodemus in the teeth, didn't he? Nicodemus, you're a well-respected Jewish teacher. People look up to you. you. You've got all the answers, according to the people that are around you. According to the church, you understand it all. Yet you don't understand these things that we're telling you. All these things that you've seen, all these things that we've heard, we've been sharing them all with you, but they don't make sense to you. In Isaiah chapter 55, God says this through the prophet. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Let that sink in for a minute. Think of it this way. How many of you are coaches or administrators, leaders of some kind in anything? As a coach or a leader, your job is to get everybody else 
to do what needs to be done to accomplish a goal, right? If you're a leader at work, whatever your job at work is, whatever your business is, your job as a leader is to try and get everybody to do their parts so that the job gets done, right? As a coach, it's your job to see what everybody else is doing and get all of those other people on the get all those players on the, on the floor or on the field or wherever you might be. It's your job as a coach to get them all doing what they need to do to accomplish the goal, and the goal in sports is to win, right? No, it's just to have fun. That's true. God says this. This is what God is saying. I see the big picture. Just like a coach, just like an administrator, just like a leader, I see the big picture. And the, the things that I'm doing with people are because I understand and am accomplishing the big picture. What you see is the little picture. Do we have any professional sports fans left out there? They're starting to get fewer and fewer. But One of the reasons we're losing professional sports fans is because professional athletes have become focused on their little role, Right? I mean, if you think back to the old days, you know, Babe Ruth, Joe DiMaggio, those guys weren't hitting home runs because they wanted to boost their numbers. They were hitting home runs because they wanted their team to win, right? They were playing their role. They had coaches that were trying to help them play their role so the team could win. See, what God is the, God is the ultimate coach of the world. He says, I, I, see, I see all the things. I'm up in the booth and can see everything that's happening down there, and I know where I need people to be. My ways are nothing like your ways. The way, the way that I do things, God says, is nothing like you would do them. The Brian translation of that passage is this. I refuse to be so small that your little pea brain can understand what I'm doing. I know that's not very nice, but, but that's the message that God, that's what God says to us. He says, I am so much smarter than you are. <laughs> Thank goodness. I can think so much differently than you can. You don't understand. You can't understand. And you never will be under, able to understand. And Nicodemus is told by Jesus. Nicodemus is one of the smartest people around at that time. And Jesus says, Nicodemus, there's no way you can understand what I'm doing. You can't do it. Nobody... Jesus says, has gone to heaven and come back. Now, there is one person that's been there, that started there, and then came down. But no one has been here, left, and come back. Our only connection to the real way of doing life is Jesus Christ. That's why later on in the Gospel of John, he's going to say in John chapter 14, verse 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody is going to get there except through me. Our only connection to heaven is Jesus. So the question then becomes this. This is the question you have to ask yourself. Which life do I want to live? Because you get to choose. Jesus didn't tell Nicodemus, you have to do this, 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 and this. He didn't give him a list because lists are over here because we can manipulate lists. Jesus said, the Spirit is going to give birth to the Spirit. 
and the Spirit is going to give direction. And the Spirit will take over. But what happens when the Spirit takes over is you're out. Hands off. How many of you have ever been on a roller coaster before? How much control of that car do you have once it leaves the station? None. You get a little click, 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 click. <laughs> the click of death, as I call it. Because <laughs> I know I'm going to die at the end of it. Either of a heart attack or that thing's going flying off. Something, but it's not going to work out well for me. We're out of control. And what God says is, I want you to be out of control so that I can control you. And what happens is we get on the roller coaster, but then we look at that little girl that just said, thank you for joining us at Cedar Point today. We look at her and we say, hey, hey, give me that remote control because I'm going to steer this thing. And she just looks at us like Jesus looked at Nicodemus. You really don't get it, do you? One of the biggest things I think we as Christians lose out on is we look at Jesus and we say, Jesus, I want, I, I want to go to heaven. How many of you want to go to heaven? Everybody raise your hand. I want to go to heaven. Tell me exactly what I need to do so I can go to heaven and I'll do it. Right? Because then I can check the boxes off. Okay, I got them all checked. Woohoo! Sit back and relax. And Jesus says, if you want to enjoy the kingdom of heaven, you've got to give up this. And you've got to get over here. One of the scariest verses in the Bible to me is where Jesus says, the road to destruction is broad and the gate is wide and many will find it. But the road to life is narrow and very few will find it. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to frighten you. I'm just sharing you what frightens me. Because all through Scripture, we're told that our life with Jesus Christ is what's going to matter in the end. It doesn't matter how many prayers I've said through my life. God is not keeping track of how many times I've prayed. It doesn't matter how many times I've read the Bible. It doesn't matter how many verses of Scripture I've memorized. None of those things matter. All that matters is, do I have a relationship with Jesus Christ? And when I stand in that throne room, when I stand before that throne of judgment, and God looks at me and he says, there's no way that you've lived well enough. Am I going to have a relationship with Jesus that Jesus is going to step in front of me and he's going to say, no, this is one of mine. I, I know this one. Let me tell you about the life that he and I have had together. There was a time in my life I was preaching. I was a full-time pastor. And I was almost done. with Not with pastoring. I was almost done with God. I, I was bored. 
My life wasn't headed the direction that I wanted it to. I thought I was doing what God wanted me to do, and I was, I was getting bad results, and, I, and it just was bad. And I, I went to preach at, a, at a, a junior high camp. I was the Vesper speaker for a week, and my roommate had me come out there. And, and I sat down with Chris Saturday night before we went to camp on Sunday. And I told him, I, I poured my heart out to him. I said, really, Chris, to be honest with you, I, 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 really, am, I really don't even know that I really don't even know that I want to stay with God. I, it, if this really is all that there is, I don't want it. It's, it's, it's just the same old thing over and over again. He said, okay, let's pray. And he prayed with me and I prayed with him. And I prayed that that week the Lord would become real to me. Because I had cut my teeth on the back of a pew, I was in Bible college, I had been pastoring for five years, but God never really, I had never really let God get a hold of me. I really had never let him take over. And when you're preaching for a week, they give you the topics that you're going to preach on so you prepare before you get there. And then every day while they were in classes and they were doing stuff, I would sit down and I would finalize my sermon. And so I sat down. I sat down this one day, and I looked. I looked at the Bible. And anyone ever studied Greek? I failed it in college. I failed a lot of classes, but I looked at this sermon that I had written before I got there, and I couldn't. It didn't even make sense. I couldn't even read through it. I was like, "Oh boy, this could be a long night." These people are expecting me. To preach, and I, I mean, I can't even look at the sermon that I have written, and it makes sense. And it's junior high kids. Whew. So I did this. I said, I said, Lord, obviously, this is not what you want me to preach. We're two hours from showtime. If you don't want me to preach this sermon, you're going to have to give me a sermon to preach. And I opened the Bible, and I came to the passage of Scripture where an, a lady that's been, that's had an, has been bleeding for 30 years reaches out and she touches Jesus' coat and she's healed immediately. And in about 30 minutes, I put together an entire sermon. I did not. God gave it to me. But I had it written out. I had it typed out. I was ready to go. I went to dinner because we always had dinner. You always had dinner and then vespers. So the assistant dean's wife came to me as we were getting ready to go to dinner. She said, hey, Brian, we're going to pray with this young lady after, after church, a- after supper, before we go to vespers. Would you like to join us? I said, absolutely. I, can, you, can you tell me what we're praying for? She said, yeah. She's had a period for six months that hasn't ended. I didn't do that. That was not me. That was the Lord saying, I've got a message for you to preach. I've got somebody out there that needs to hear a message, and, and you're going you're gonna to speak it for them. I'm not the only one that has those stories, though. 
Each one of you in your life, if you're honest with yourself as a follower of Christ, each one of you has a story where God has shown up big in your life. And he said, watch this. I'm going to do something cool, and you're not even going to believe it, but you're going to only know that it's me because it can't happen any other way. And I got on this train, and I said, okay, okay, you got me now. What about you? Which life do you want to live? I mean, there's this one where you can control it and you can, be in, you can be okay and it can be logical and it can make sense and everybody can say, oh, you've really got it together. You're doing a good job. You, your, your job is successful. Your family is good. You can do all the right things over here and follow all the right books and do all the right self-help things. Or you can step over here and you can say, God, I'm going to give it to you and I want you to take me on this ride and I want to enjoy it and I want you to buckle me in and I want you to send me up the click of death and I want you to let it go and I want to just have a good time with my life because I know that you will take me where I need to go. And if I'm on your ride, Jesus, all that stuff doesn't matter. Is it going to make sense? No. Am I going to understand where I'm going? Maybe not. But I can tell you this, it's going to be much better than if I control it myself. Which one do you want to be on? The worship team is going to come forward. We're going to sing. You're going to have an opportunity to Spend some time singing, thinking. And I want this to be one of your prayers. I want you, as we sing this song, I want you to get gut level honest with God. I want you to put aside what people around you think. I want you to put aside what your family might think. I want you to not, not care what people say. And I want you to get gut level honest with God. And I want you to ask God this. God, what do I need to do to get on your train? God, I want to be on your ride. I don't want to be in control anymore. I want to let you have control. I don't even know what that means. I don't even know what it's going to look like. I don't even, it doesn't even make sense to me, but I know that that's better than when I control it. Do you have the courage to ask that? Do you have the courage to pray that this morning? Can you ask God to really take over your life? I hope you can. It's in you. Whether you want to or not is your determination. Let's pray. God, you're, you're so far above us. You're so, so much smarter than we are. And you have such different ways of doing things. God, I pray that our church today, I pray that everybody in here and our church as a church will let go and say, we're not going to try and control this anymore. We're going to let you control it. We're going to fall at your feet. We're going to ask you to lead us and we're going to ask you to guide us and we're going to ask you to become real to us. And Lord, we're going to watch for that to happen and we're going to enjoy it when it does. And someday, Lord, someday the last beautiful scripture Someday, Lord, we will know even as we are known now. I can't wait. Help us, Lord, to work toward that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.